smart. She loves to travel. And um, she loves, this is, this is one of the most important things to know about her. She loves a good deal. Okay? She cuts coupons. She hunts for online deals. Her favorite holiday, Black Friday, right? Just like yours. No. Um, she loves a good deal. Now, what's the worst thing that can happen to somebody who loves a good deal? It's getting ripped off, right? Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm sure I've been ripped off at few, some points in my life. I don't remember. But if you were to ask my wife, hey, have you ever, have you ever been ripped off? She's like, oh, Oh, yeah. You remember that time in 2007 when we had our car worked on? You know, she will remember. She'll say, oh, I remember that one time when, you know, we ate that meal and they, they overcharged us for it. She remembers. It is awful because she loves a good deal, okay? So tonight, here's the deal. <laughs> no pun intended. Tonight, Jesus is inviting you and me to get in on a deal, on a really good deal. And for some of you, I want to suggest it might look like a ripoff. It really might. But what we're going to see is that Jesus invites us to participate in really what's the greatest deal imaginable. Who likes getting a deal? Okay. All right. All right. So this parable is for you. Here's the thing. Um, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. I will have it on the screen here. You may not even turn in your Bible, and here's why. Because it's one of, it might be the shortest parable of Jesus. Might be the shortest one. Because you see, Jesus was a master teacher that in very few words, very concisely, he can tell an incredible story that's both elegant and powerful. Your English translation has turned it into two sentences. In the Greek, it's one sentence. It's 31 words long in the Greek. And Jesus tells an incredibly powerful story. Here it is. Verse 44. Here's the whole parable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Short, simple, sweet. But here's what we're going to do. I want to unpack this a little bit. We'll look at some of the details. Okay, we'll look at what the parable means, and then we'll look at how should we respond to a parable like this from Jesus. So, understanding the details, the kingdom of heaven... Most of Jesus' parables are about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, okay? Same thing to Jesus. And if you're the kind of person who writes in your Bible, this is worth writing down because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's not a particular place. It's not some place that you could go. It's God's rule and God's reign. The kingdom of heaven is God's rule and God's reign. You see, kings have kingdoms, and the kingdom of God is wherever God, uh, wherever God's rule and reign is. We don't build God's kingdom. It's not something we construct. But God's reign consists of everything that submits to his rule and his reign. That's the kingdom of heaven. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Now he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, in Jesus' day, there was nothing like the modern bank where you could take all your money and possessions and put them somewhere safe and you knew that they would not be you know, disturbed, no one would take them, etc. No, um, people, you know, war is common, theft is common. So what do you do? You take your treasure and you hide it somewhere, hopefully that nowhere will, no one will find it. And there were stories, we know there were stories that circulated, especially among the poor in the first century, of uh, you know, treasure that someone might find and they'd go from rags to riches, these kinds of stories. Well, the thing we know about the treasure in this story is it's very, very valuable, 
Okay, this is like finding a winning lottery ticket walking down the street and you hit like mega millions, okay? This is like buying Apple stock in 1980, all right? This is, this is big money. It's like if your great-great-grandfather, you suddenly found out his last name was Rockefeller and you were like the last surviving heir to the estate, okay? This is a super valuable treasure. This is big money, okay? And here's what the, tar- here, here's what the parable tells us. is It's like a man who found it and then covered it back up. He stumbles upon it, he finds it, he covers it back up to hide it because he's committed to acquiring the treasure legally, okay? He could just steal it, he could run around with some hot treasure, um, but he's going to get, you know, it's not going to be his. He wants to acquire it legally, so he buries it. Again, can you imagine, I would, how, how deep would you bury it if you found this, right? I mean, you would, you would, it would be deeper and better covered than ever before, um, but then it says, and here's the catch, he says, Jesus tells us, then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he owns and he buys the whole field so that the treasure is now his legally, okay? This guy goes skipping home after he finds the treasure. Um, He gathers up everything he owns and he starts hawking stuff left and right. He's got eBay sales going on, right, auctions. He's hawking stuff on Marketplace. You can imagine his gaming console, you know, his his cell phone, everything. He's hawking everything he can. He's going to get rid of all that he owns. He's going to take that big sum of money and then he's going to go, having given up everything, and buy the field to get the treasure. You with me? Okay, so... um, That's the story, pretty straightforward. But here's the thing. Here's what the story tells us, and here's what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. Three things. Three things. And the first one is this. The kingdom of heaven, God's rule and his reign, is far more valuable than you think it is. It's far more valuable than than you think it is. Because this, this begs the question, what's the kingdom of heaven, God's rule and his reign, what's it worth to you? And I'll give you some options, because these are some things that come to mind for me. When we think about God's, God's rule and his reign in our lives, I'll give you kind of a multiple choice option here. Um, one of the ways we could tend to think about this is a little bit like um, this, this magnet I brought. So this is a, this is a cheap souvenir. It's a magnet from when I was in Colorado in the Rocky Mountains one time. And, um, and the thing about cheap souvenirs is they remind us of some cool experience we had sometime. You know, it says, remember when we did that fun thing together? And maybe for some of you, you can imagine your relationship with God and his rule in your life is kind of like that fun thing that you used to do, but it's not nearly as important as it used to be. I have another option. Uh, You might laugh at this. Um, If you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, there might be... Uh, your relationship with him might start to feel sort of stale. And you could imagine, um, it might be that thing that at one time was really exciting and used to have a lot of value to you, um, but now it just kind of collects dust, sits on the shelf. The relationship isn't that important. Um, I have a closet full of stuff like this. Some of your parents had something like this when you were very young. This is what was called a personal digital assistant. It existed before the smartphone. And I had one of these, man, unboxing this thing was like magic, okay? This was, it was electric. I mean, I obviously valued it because I put it in a case that looks like it could survive a nuclear bomb. Um, but um, I have, I have, a closet full of stuff like this now that, man, the money spent and the, and, and the excitement to own it, right? Maybe your first cell phone, maybe it's in a closet somewhere now. But I bring it up because I think sometimes we can think about God's kingdom in our lives a little bit like that. 
The sort of thing that, well, it used to have value, but it's lost the joy that it once gave you. But there's a third option. Do you think about God's rule and reign in your life as invaluable treasure? Something that you stare at daily. You consider its value. You marvel at its beauty. Um, I, I can't even believe I have this with me. Um, on special loan from my wife, um, this is her uh, diamond engagement ring and uh, diamond wedding band. And um, uh, it has incredible value. One, because I spent an irresponsible amount of money on it when I was 21 years old. Um, but, but more so because I watch her sometimes. I watch her around the house, sometimes just, just looking at it. I know that every time we go, we go to a mall, she sneaks into the jewelers to have it cleaned and steamed. Um, and she just marvels at it, in part because of its value, but more than that, because of what it represents in our lives. Can, when you think about your relationship with God and his rule and reign in your life, is it the kind of thing that you stare at and marvel at? I'm going to put this back in my pocket. and Someone should remind me it's there later. Um, do you know the greatness of the one who would die for you? Do you experience the joy of having Jesus as your Lord and you under his rule and reign? Do you ever just sit and marvel at the love that God has for you that he would send his son Jesus to die out of love for you? The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, I count everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Is knowing Jesus worth, is it that great to you? Do you know the surpassing greatness? Is Jesus your greatest treasure, your dearest possession, your closest friend and confidant? I'll tell you a story really quickly. Um, uh, Bill Bright, the founder of Crew, uh, founded Crew back in 1951. Um, there was a book that was written some years ago, and it just had a little story about, about Dr. Bright in it. Uh, it was a story about a guy who was going around interviewing ministry leaders. I'll just read it to you. Here's what he says in, in the book, this author. He says, A guy I know named Alan went around the country asking ministry leaders questions. He went to successful churches and asked the pastors what they were doing, why they were doing what they were doing, and why it was working. It all sounded very boring, the author of the book says, except for one visit this man Alan made to a man named Bill Bright, the president of a big ministry. Alan said he was a big man full of life who listened without shifting his eyes. Alan asked him a few questions. I don't know what they were, but as a final question, he asked Dr. Bright what Jesus meant to him. Alan said Dr. Bright could not answer the question. He said Dr. Bright just started to cry. He sat there in his big chair behind his big desk and wept. And the question is, what is Jesus worth to you? Charles Spurgeon, famous, famous pastor, he said it like this. He said, when a man finds Christ, I cannot tell you how much he values him. But this I know, the entire world besides seems like nothing to a Christian when he has once found his Lord and Master. Oh, what a Christ I have, he says, but he cannot tell you how dear, how inconceivably precious the Christ of God is to his soul. What is the kingdom of heaven worth to you? What does Jesus' rule and reign in your life really mean to you? Because if it's like an old souvenir or an old Christmas gift that's lost its value, the next point isn't going to make any sense at all. Because not only is his kingdom, not only is the kingdom of heaven far more valuable than we think it is, but the kingdom of heaven requires all that you have. 
requires all that you have. See, if the kingdom of heaven is really like buried treasure, what are you willing to pay for it? And now here's the thing. I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about buying your salvation, something that was historically called indulgences. And I'm not talking about buying status in God's kingdom or in the church, which was historically called simony. No, what I'm talking about is what would you be willing to give to let Jesus rule and reign over your life? How high of a price would you be willing to pay? What is it worth to you? That's the question. Because here's the problem. You and me, we are delusional. I mean this. Um, We are willing to pay an awful lot of money, time, and energy for a whole lot of things that aren't worth it. I refuse to tally up the amount of money I have spent at Starbucks because I am convinced. I am convinced that I will have a heart attack and pass pass out and die in the moment if I knew that total amount that I've paid for brown water, okay? Um, Here's the thing. All economies function on the principle of perceived value, right? People are only willing to pay for something if they think it's worth it. Have you ever experienced buyer's regret, right? That feeling that what you paid for wasn't really worth it? And we know we're delusional because we know this. There are full-time marketers out there, professionals who are committed to convincing us that things are worth far more than they really are, right? So we spend money on things even though we know they're not worth it. Okay, a pair of jeans, $120. They're not going to make you look that much better, okay? Um, $10 on a drink, right? You see that commercial, guys drinking that drink. You're like, $10 for that drink, and then I will have women on both arms like he does. It doesn't work like that, right? And we know that, but we're delusional. Powerful marketers have convinced us that we should pay an awful lot for a whole lot of things that aren't really worth it. Things that are inevitably disappointing and marketers lie to us all the time. But here's the thing, friends. This right here, this parable, this is the most honest, most understated marketing campaign you have ever heard. In 31 words, in one sentence, Jesus doesn't try to argue or persuade. He's not like that overbearing salesperson who's trying to convince you you just have to have something. There's no flashy images of Jesus, right, with women on each arm. There's no, there's no pictures of him, you know, in a rap video burning Benjamins or something like that. There's no, like, there's no, there's no overselling it. This is so understated, okay? It, it just very simply and very calmly says, my rule in your life, my rule in my reign, the kingdom of heaven, price tag, all that you have, all that you are. Jesus is the most honest person to walk the planet. And he says, letting God rule over every area of your life, experiencing the kingdom of heaven in your life, is worth absolutely everything. It's worth giving absolutely everything. Because not only is the kingdom of heaven far more valuable than we think it is, but the kingdom of heaven requires all that we have because the kingdom of heaven is an incredible, incredible deal. Okay? This makes Black Friday look like a ripoff, all right? You go, it's Black Friday, you get that 60-inch TV for $50, that is a scam compared to this. You get a new Mercedes, $500, you got taken compared to this, okay? This is the best deal you could ever get. Those are all ripoffs compared to the kingdom of heaven. There is no buyer's regret with Jesus, not here, because the value is so great that the price tag is so minuscule. The product is so much greater than the price tag. 
Jesus doesn't have to arm twist or persuade because the logic is simple. Friends, King, the thing that you've got to hear from this parable is Jesus is inviting us to give him rule and reign over every area of our lives because it's absolutely worth it. Give Jesus rule and reign over every area of your life because it's absolutely worth it. Some practical ways to respond to the parable. If the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than we can even imagine, then we should marvel at it, okay? It should be the kind of thing that we hold up and marvel at and reflect on often. Do you ever just sit and reflect on the goodness and the greatness and the glory of Jesus? Have you ever been moved to tears by what he's done for you, like Bill Bright was? Have you begun to grasp the magnitude of his death and his resurrection for you, for the world? And I'll just tell you, it's a worthwhile exercise sometime. You could even find quiet time this weekend at Fall Retreat to do this. But just sit down sometime with a blank piece of paper and give yourself an hour and answer the question, what is it that I love about Jesus? What is it that makes him so incredible that I love him? Because like a sparkling, beautiful wedding ring, we need to gaze at Jesus every day and remember how valuable he is to us and what he means to us. Two, if the kingdom of heaven requires all that we have, then what do we need to give? And this is between you and the Lord, but there might be some areas of your life that you're holding back on. And I'll just hit some quickly. If you're new to the Christian faith, and and I know many people here are, if you're new to the Christian faith, it might mean having to give up false beliefs that you've always had about God. That as you get in a community group and you start to study the Bible, you might start to think differently about who God is. And I'll tell you, that's a good thing. But it might cost you. If you've been following Jesus for a while, one of the things that we might have to die to is self-righteousness and pride, feeling like, wow, I, I really, I, I'm really a great Christian. Some of you are living a double life, and that's just a fact. Some of you know that you come here on Thursdays or you go to community group, but you're an entirely different person on the weekends. And so it's pretty obvious that at some point you can't serve both God and the world, that not both of those can be Lord over your life. If you're serious about following Jesus, it might mean having to give up at some point esteem or acceptance of others, friends, neighbors, classmates. We all have that person in our life that we would never want to disappoint, someone who we look up to. But following Jesus sometimes means that we lose the esteem or acceptance of other people for following him. And I'll tell you, maybe maybe for some of you, some of those things feel like that's too much to give up. But here's what I love about this passage is it tells us that's our loss if we aren't willing to give it up. Because the treasure waits in the field. And if we're not willing to sell everything to get it, we're not going to have the the treasure of having Jesus reign over our lives. And so I would say don't wait. Um, This is a no-brainer. What you have to give is such a small price compared to acquiring the field and what you get for it. The thing that's noticeable about this is we don't need to be sad about giving something up because this is a joyful decision that he makes. We don't have to be afraid because this is actually a decision to give Jesus Lord over every nook and cranny of our lives, every corner of it, to make him Lord over it is for our good. It's not for his good, it's for our good. And so we don't have to be afraid. And the thing I love about this parable is that we don't have to look back. You can imagine that the guy who found the the treasure in the field never had to look, he never looked back in his life and said, oh, I, I miss the days from when I didn't have this treasure. 
No, the reality is, is he would never have to work another day in his life. The decision to sell all that he had to get something of incredible value was absolutely worth it. And so friends, I want to exhort you, sell all that you have and buy the field. Give Jesus rule and reign over every area of your life because it's absolutely worth it. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful for your word and for this simple, short parable. And Lord, we confess to you all of the ways in which we hold back areas of our life from you. Father, I pray that tonight, even as we sing here in a moment, that you would remind us of the greatness and the invaluable worth of your son Jesus, letting him rule and reign over every area of our life. Father, convict us of areas that we're holding back, and Lord, would you rule and reign over all of us, that we might experience the joy and the incredible treasure of knowing Jesus, our Lord, and experiencing his rule in our lives. We pray in his name. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 1A.